Hey, Nathan, are you ready to play a game? Sure am. All right, so I'm going to give you three movie quotes from the same movie. We're going to see if it takes you all three quotes to figure out what movie I'll be talking about in today's episode. Are you ready? Yes. All right, here we go. First one. This might give it away immediately. Yes, dudes and dudettes, Major League butt kicking is back in town. Do you need number two? I need number two. Okay, number two. All fathers care for their sons. He has a confused look on his face. All fathers care for Do you their want sons. the last one? Yes. All right. I'm usually pretty good at quotes. I and this know. One's tough. I'm so glad you're struggling. <laughs> number three. Forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for a late pizza. Oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> there we go. Congratulations. Thank you for playing. Oh. Oh my gosh, something just fell out. You're welcome. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to A Bit of Fun with Emily. It's me, your host, Emily. I am glad you're here. So this is season two where we're talking about 80s and 90s kids movies we grew up loving and sometimes fearing. This one is our first 90s movie rundown, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, And it is one that there is absolutely nothing to fear about, except maybe if you're scared of rats. You You maybe could be afraid of this movie if that is one of your greatest phobias, because then you have to see a life sized version of one. Um, But of course, we're talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is one I grew up watching quite a bit. Do I think it's as good as the second one? No, uh, because the second one has vanilla ice in it and the Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go song, which just, you know, automatically moves it on the top of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles list. But my younger brother, Nathan, who was in the intro and on Tuesday's podcast, he loved the Ninja Turtles. I won't say, I won't share all of the embarrassing stories about him and the turtles, but um, he was very, very into them. He used to um, call kind of like mini slumber parties that we would have green parties because we would watch the Ninja Turtles and have snacks. And that was a green party. So when my nephew was born, I was like, immediately, one day I'm going to have green parties with him. (laughs) And he could care less about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He's firmly in the Paw Patrol camp. So maybe one day I'll get to have a green party with Cooper or Miles. Um, I I could probably convince the oldest Roy, who is my older brother's son, uh, into doing a green party. Maybe he would want to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with me. I don't know. It's worth a try. But before we dive into the summary spoiler filled summary let's of course hit our lazy internet research and again it's as lazy as it can be it's called imdb and mental floss it's that easy first off this was the highest grossing independent film until the blair witch project which came out in 1999 um, having made 135 million dollars in domestic box office and 66 million dollars in the foreign box office that is crazy Crazy. I wonder if it was the marketing. I had to have been the marketing or the fact that there was a cartoon first. And I know there were some comics as well, but that is a crazy amount of money, especially when you're doing a rewatch and you're like, hmm, interesting. The actors who physically portrayed the turtles also had cameo roles in the film. Josh Pace, who plays Raphael, plays a passenger in the back of a taxi cab right after Raphael hops on the cab's hood. Um, 
I'm saying all these names wrong. I apologize. Michelin Sisti, who plays Michelangelo, plays the delivery pizza delivery man who delivers the pizza to the turtle sewer. Leif Tilden, who plays Donatello, plays the foot messenger that meets April in the subway station. And David Foreman, who plays Leonardo, plays a gang member in the warehouse during Casey's fight with Tatsu. Very interesting. I like that they they made it in as themselves as well. That's pretty fun. Shredder and the Foot Clan's hideout were filmed in an abandoned cement factory called the Ideal Cement Factory. I wonder what made it ideal. Outside of Wilmington, North Carolina in Castle Hayne, this location was also used as the set of Dino Hatton in Super Mario Brothers. Now, that is a 90s movie that is both horrible and terribly underappreciated. I love it so much, including Bob Hoskins, that I've decided that after this season is done, so when we're done talking 80s and 90s kids movies, I am going to do a brief intermission where we're going to do a Bob Hoskins Appreciation Week, and I'm going to talk about Super Mario Brothers and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's happening. I've already got it planned. I've also decided that somewhere along the line, I've got to do this for Christopher Lloyd and Tim Curry as well. There's just too much brilliance out there that we've just got to talk about. One of the early ideas floated around the film, speaking of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, was to follow that same approach, which the actors would be interacting with animated versions of the turtles. However, this idea was quickly scrapped in favor of pursuing performances in turtle costumes from Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Oh, Jim Henson. This was actually the last theatrical film that Jim Henson was associated with. Uh, he died about a month and a half after the film's release. That makes me sad. All three newswomen seen or mentioned in the film are named after a month. So you have April, May, and June. And it took three puppeteers to operate the Splinter puppet. So Kevin Clash, who also does Splinter's voice, and incidentally, Elmo's two very different voices. This man is very talented. He performed the puppet while the facial expressions were remote controlled by another puppeteer and the arms were controlled by the puppeteer who worked along with Kevin during the performances of the puppet. So a lot went into making Splinter look even slightly realistic. And that's it. That's all I have for the lazy internet research. Who's ready for the spoiler filled walkthrough of the movie? Here we go. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. New York, 1990s. Sidewalks full of people, streets full of cars, and a news reporter reporting about small-time crime that is sweeping the city. Pickpockets, muggings, bul bul bulgaries, burglaries. <laughs> Making up new words. The police are overwhelmed. Interestingly, no one has ever caught anyone in the act, uh, but we get to see that it's actually ninjas and a group of teenagers who are all very stealthy. The ninja part not being seen, I get. The fact that teenagers aren't, I have a hard time believing. I work with teenagers. They are not stealthy at all. After a long, hard day of thievery, the teens head out of the city to a warehouse where they unbox the stolen goods while their ninja overseers watch. <sighs> Love this movie. Our reporter is April O'Neil. She's on the case and not willing to give it up. And you see time and time again how she just keeps opening her mouth, even though her bosses and the police chief are like, you know what? Shut it. On her way to her car, alone and in the dark, why didn't the security guard walk her out? She immediately contradicts herself by seeing 
a group swiping equipment off one of the news trucks. Just as they're about to attack her, the streetlight gets knocked out and the criminals uh, are tied up and ready to be grabbed by the police. You don't see at that time. You just hear noises in the dark. Um, April is very confused, but she gets a ninja sigh out of it. So she's like, hey, you know what? I'm safe. I'll just tuck this in my purse. Then out of the shadows and with the opening opening credits title scene, title, yeah, title screen, the logo pops up. What's that called? I don't know. In the depths of the sewers, our four heroes hop out, extremely proud of their good deed. You have Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And when they get home, they're in, we're introduced to uh, Master Splinter, their large rodent father. I love the human imagination. I love it. The fact that somebody thought, sat down and thought about this, you know what would be great? You know what would be great? Is if we have four human-sized turtles and a giant rat, and they call him father and he calls them sons. Ugh, I just, I love it so much. Uh, he takes some time to try to give them some wisdom, but they're more interested in dancing and waiting for a pizza to arrive. They love pizza. Question, how do they get money for pizza? I would like to know that. Um, are they also part of the small crime ring? The world would like to know. Raphael, he is sullen and grouchy. He's pretty upset that he lost his, his sigh, his fork, his karate fork. See, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to yell at me. I should really do more lazy internet research before, before I do these things. So uh, so we have Raphael. We start to get a little bit of character development. Raphael is sullen and grouchy. Leonardo is kind of the responsible one. He's the one that listens to Splinter when he talks. And then you have Donatello and Michelangelo who just feed off of each other's immaturity. And they're constantly hungry. They're the entertainment. So Raphael gets upset about his lost weapon. He puts on his trench coat and a hat which in no way camouflages the fact that he's a giant turtle and he heads up to the surface to go see a movie. In a matter of minutes um, after leaving the movie, he interrupts a mugging by trapping, tripping his assailants. He just sticks out his foot. Very talented fellow. Uh, they then run off into Central Park only to encounter a maniac in a hockey mask wielding a stick who drops out of a tree. Oh, just the fact that... Well, we'll get to... They were having... So these bad guys are having a rough night. Do I feel bad for them? Of course not. But New York seems to be getting the best of them, which is just hilarious. So Raphael interrupts the maniac, also known as Casey Jones, is fun. And the two share some words and then start to fight. But let's go back a second. So you have this vigilante, Casey Jones, who dresses up in hockey attire, has a cricket bat, has two baseball bats. He's just, he's a sports vigilante. Just sitting in trees and... Central Park waiting to drop down on people. You, you got to love New York. You've got to. So the turtle, you think it would be easy work to beat Jones, but no, he's thwarted and knocked into a trash can. Uh, so much for those ninja instincts. And Casey runs off um, chasing the bad guys. Raphael is even more angry than before. And he takes off in pursuit as well, but loses his, you know, his quarry. So when Raphael returns home, Splinter attempts a heart-to-heart -heart about his son's anger management issues. 
an insistence on fighting enemies alone. He's like, what? you know, you're going to get yourself into trouble. You just keep going out there by yourself thinking you have to take on the world alone. When you have some brothers, you don't need to do that. So we get a little more character development. You can see that Raphael is kind of the outsider. April's producer, the journalist producer, he stops by her apartment to check on um, check on her the next morning. He found out that she had been mugged and you know, jumped in the parking lot. He too makes a comment about the security guard and not locking her outside. (laughs) At least he's a little smart. He has brought along with him though, his teenage boy, Danny. Turns out Danny is one of the boys in the ninja crime ring. Producer guy, of course, doesn't know this, but we know this because we saw him swiping some electronics off of a truck. Then April is at the police station um, where the chief of police is giving a press conference on the plans to get all of the thievery in check. A few things happen here. One, we get to see April's tenacity. She's not going to let this go. Two, we discover that the turtles have a big crush on the reporter. They're back in the sewer watching her on TV. And three, we get a name for our baddies. They're, she is calling them the Foot Clan. And a, you get a glimpse of their leader who wants to shut April up. Um, so he tells his lackeys, you know, go take care of the situation. The chief is bent all out of shape at the reporter's questions. And after she gets a dressing down, we see her, you know, head home alone again in the dark. And of course she gets up to her train and just misses it. So she's left in the subway, uh, at night by herself where, um, she is accosted by the Foot Clan ninjas, One tells her to shut it, then smacks her in the face. (laughs) That shouldn't be funny, but it was. Um, She's a pretty resilient woman, though, so she tries to pull out the sigh at first, but that easily, you know, the one that she's been hiding in her purse, and that easily gets knocked out of her hand. So then she just uses her bag to start hitting the ninjas, Um, but they knock her out pretty quickly. That's when Raphael jumps in out of nowhere. Uh, I don't know if he'd been stalking. April, he must assume that she has his missing sigh, so maybe that's why. Um, and he starts beating the black-clad ninja men, or at least I assume they're men. He picks a, uh, you know, they could be women. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to try to assume that all ninjas are men. He disposes of them or at least knocks them out long enough to pick up April and goes racing down the subway tracks from the ninjas. But one of them follows the turtle back to the lair. So after spying um, the interesting creatures yelling at one another for bringing home a human, the ninja guy, he runs off, presumably back to his master to tell him about giant turtles. April wakes up and is understandably disturbed at her surroundings. Every, there's a giant rat and four human-sized talking turtles circling her. Everyone starts screaming, but then Splinter who is a calming presence, gets the group to settle down and promises an explanation. Backstory time. So then we see Splinter telling the story of the time when he was just a regular rat. He used to be a pet learning martial arts by watching his human, who he calls master. So his master was a martial arts person. (laughs) And the rat would watch him practicing and somehow... They move to the U.S. He gets separated from his owner. We don't know how yet. Um, And this poor rat who had once been a well-fed pet is left to scavenge alone 
in the sewers. There he stumbles upon four baby turtles who are crawling around in a radioactive toxic substance. He's like, I shall save them. And uh, the effects in this montage are pure joy. Slowly, all of the creatures start to grow and the rat starts to teach the turtles the karate skills he's gleaned from the human who, at this point, we think just abandoned him. If you watch no other part of this movie, I want you to watch this part of this little this little tiny rat doing karate moves of these turtles um, standing when they're still not like full mutant ninja turtles. They're just kind of half mutant ninja turtles standing on two feet doing karate it's a good time watch that part if nothing else but april takes all of this pretty well and even you know lets them walk her home and invites them into her apartment uh she's she's pretty good about it she's like you know what yeah this is new york city giant rats and turtles this all makes sense to me this is not weird at all but the turtles they head back home to the sewer and when they get there the place is ransacked and their father is missing there's no sign of the rat not sure where to go. They just head back to April's for the night. The next morning, her producer um, shows up again. He just keeps showing up at her apartment. I think I would have a problem if my boss just kept dropping by my home. I don't know. Uh, he's also got the ju juvenile delinquent with him again, who actually catches a glimpse of one of the turtles who are only sort of hiding in the apartment. Um, so... Then you have a, a scene where the dad and Danny are, he, they're, he's trying to take him to school. They stop at a light. Danny jumps out and runs away. He has escaped the clutches of his father to run off to Ninja headquarters. We then get a better tour of the evil warehouse lair and the teen thieves. It's almost like Pinocchio's Pleasure Island. Um, I did real later after I did the rewatch that that's kind of what it was based on. So you have arcade games, poker games, cigars, skateboards, music, Sam Rockwell. I mean, it's got everything, including a gym where they're training more ninjas. And at the sound of a gong, the crowd gathers and the overlord struts out. Shredder. He's an intimidating figure wearing spiked metal armor. He's there to, you know, knight, I guess, induct new ninjas. Uh, he then talks about how he's kind of the collector of outsiders and rejects and he is giving this disenfranchised group of people a home so he's trying to build some loyalty here um it doesn't really work in the end but you can see where he's going with it and he's giving them a mission to go find the turtles and punish them but then you see danny come out and he's like uh sir sir i kind of know where they're at already that same day april is back on the news talking about the foot clan the target on her back just kind of keeps growing and growing and getting bigger and bigger. And while watching her newscast from the apartment, the turtles start to argue about a plan to save Splinter. Raphael is impatient. He just wants to go for it. But Leonardo thinks they should kind of be, you know, they should slow things down and wait to see if April could lead them to the clan. She's the one with information on the foot clan. They got to see what comes, you know, comes out with her reporting. That upsets the surly one who storms out and heads up to the roof to let off some steam. He is spotted, Raphael is spotted by Casey Jones, who is hanging out on a fire stoop on a different building with binoculars. Do New Yorkers do that? Do they just hang out on their stoops with binoculars and stare at other people? Kind of hope so. Uh, that's when the ninjas show up, the Foot Clan show up. They had been led to the apartment by Danny. And while Michelangelo, Leonardo, and Donatello are getting a tour of April's weird antique store on the first floor, she's come home. Uh, Raphael is getting beat up on the roof and then tossed through the skylight. 
The ninjas then kind of storm the castle, and the three other turtles jump into the fray. They completely destroy the apartment in the weird antique shop, totally overwhelmed. Casey Jones shows up then with his hockey stick and helps helps long enough to get the crew away. Sadly for poor April, her apartment is on fire. <laughs> and um and she also at the very last second gets a phone call telling her she's been fired. It's not her best day. Not her best day. So Shredder is not pleased that they got away and takes this frustration out on Splinter, who has been chained up at the warehouse. And now feeling bad that he betrayed April um, and started to think he's maybe on the wrong side of things, Danny goes to talk to the giant rat who tells him that all fathers care for their sons, which I'm not sure is true but is a sweet sentiment. It's very sweet. And he says it more than once. I think you really start to get, trying to get hammered into your head that Splinter is the father figure for the turtles. The turtles, Jones and April, escape to the country um, where they hold up on April's family farms. Not only does she have this very large apartment and an antique shop in New York City, she also has a country home. So she just must be swimming in cash, I guess. Uh, the journalist then does a voiceover about how each of her new friends is taking the defeat. It's kind of the first time that they had lost a fight. Um, offering a little more character development, Donatello befriends Casey and distracts him with witty banter. Leonardo holds vigil over a still unconscious Raphael, and poor Michelangelo just gets ignored during the montage, which is kind of sad. Eventually, Raphael wakes up uh, and the group starts training to face off against the ninjas again. They're serious about this. They, they eventually do some like, um, after a few days, they meet around a campfire and somehow uh, telepathically connect with Splinter, um, who tells them he loves them. All these sweet moments with Ninja Turtles. We then get, so they, they decide to head back into New York City. When they get back to the the sewer, they discover the, that Danny is just hanging out in their home. Not sure how he figured out where they lived, because uh, he sent them to April's house. I don't know how he knew it was they were at the sewer. He then spends the night with them. Um, he's woken up by a nightmare and heads back to the evil lair to talk to Splinter, who decides it's story time again. So more backstory uh, about living in Japan and learning karate from his master. His human had one rival, and they were both in love with the same woman. And the woman uh, persuaded Splinter's human to move to the U.S., which totally ticked off the other dude who followed him and got his vengeance by killing them both and maiming the rat. Kind of a violent man. Turns out the symbol of Shredder is the same symbol as the murdering rival. Dun-dun-dun. So Danny's heart has changed. He takes off the symbol kind of throws it down on the ground only to be stopped by Shredder who discovers that the turtles are back in town. Danny had swiped a a picture that April had drawn of the turtles while at the farmhouse uh, that was in his pocket and Shredder takes it and realizes that the turtles are back. He sends then his minions after them and Danny overhears him say um, that he's going to kill Splinter. So he he's kind of He's very worried. He doesn't want his new giant rat friend to be hurt. Having sneaked into the warehouse because Casey saw Danny leaving the sewers and followed him to the warehouse. Casey then gets a hold of a ninja uniform so he can snoop around without any suspicion. He runs into Danny who then begs him to help save Splinter. And as they grab the rat, they're discovered by the Legion of Ninjas. 
um, with his own player. Jones then takes them out one by one. Um, and as he, Danny, and Splinter are trying to leave, he talks about family um, and loyalty. And somehow all of the teenagers decide, and Sam Rockwell, we, you know what? There needs to be a Sam Rockwell Appreciation Day, too. Just thought about that. You know, uh, Bob Hoskins, Christopher Lloyd, Tim Curry, and Sam Rockwell. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, I get to watch Galaxy Quest. This is making me excited. I got distracted. So they decide to leave the warehouse, too. And they follow these three back to the sewer um, where the turtles are now fighting the ninjas that have shown up that are trying to kill them. Um, the turtles are having the time of their life. They, you know, are having their own ninja party. There's witty banter, awful puns, and a lot of laughter. And just as they finish up with the ninja crowd, Shredder drops in out of nowhere. He's, he's not easy to take down, they find out pretty quickly. Fighting, he's fighting them in the same style that they fight, um, so he kind of knows how to stop them where his ninjas didn't. I don't know what he's been teaching his ninjas, though, Shredder. Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, so just when he's about to take out Leonardo, Splinter shows up, though, and calls him out. Turns out Shredder is, of course, the murderous rival. Um, he's like, oh, wait, you're the giant rat that I maimed all those years ago. <laughs> Again, no one seems to think this is odd that they're just talk giant talking animals. Ugh. The evil baddie gets his panties in a twist and goes running at the rat with a spear. It takes a simple nunchuck move, and Shredder is tossed over the side of the building. He falls into a garbage truck where he's held until the cops show up. Um, then you have, like, the news crew arrive. April gets her job back. Uh, she kisses Casey. The turtles yell, cowabunga. Danny is reunited with his father. We get another rap, just like the monster squad that summarizes the movie and the end. Whew. You know, just like, I've, I think this was maybe... Too much karate, too close together after the karate kid as well. <laughs> there was a lot of karate going on. And there's going to be one more karate movie. I don't want to give it away, but we have one more coming in this round of 90s movies. I, I apparently really enjoyed karate as a kid, but not really. I don't know. Fascinating. Um, much like the karate kid, there's not a lot going on plot-wise here, and I don't think that's the point. I think we are supposed to like the Turtles, who you actually spend very little time with, to be honest. Uh, I, I think most of the character development um, is actually coming from what we know of them before. And then, of course, just the need to sell merchandise, which so many toys came out. So many. I think my brother had them all. Um, so there's not a lot of character development. I, I really like... I really like Casey Jones. Um, I like that this idea that he's, I don't know if I necessarily agree with, Vinci, you know, vigilantes. Gotta love Batman, though, too, I guess. Just the idea, though, is as much as I don't believe that they should be above the law, that they are illegally doing things in the name of good, which is could be, you know, subjective. But the idea that people see there is a problem and want to put it into it. There is something noble in that, which I really kind of like. Um and the fact that he does it with sports equipment, I think, is hilarious. And then I I was a little sad when April did not show up in the second one. It was a different April. That was a little upsetting. 
Um, but overall, character development, you don't get a lot. You don't really get a lot from Shredder. Um, Splinter a little more that he is this compassionate creature uh, who has taken on a paternal role, which is interesting. But plot-wise, it's, you know, these turtles fighting a bad guy who is using teenagers to steal stuff around the city. The end goal of stealing the stuff is never really explained either. What are they doing with all of these things that they are stealing? Are they reselling it? They seem to be unpackaging it, but I don't know what they're doing with it. So I don't know how they're actually making any money. <sighs> you know, so there we go. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Life lessons. Mm, life lessons. Don't steal things. Um, that could be one. Maybe uh, give individuals who don't look like you a chance. Um, we work together. Don't be like Raphael. Don't think that you have to face the world alone, that you have to take care of struggles all on your own. Uh, you know, allow the people around you, the people that care about you, the people that make you better, help you out. That's a good one, I guess. Um, and carry around a cricket bat, much like a frying pan entangled. It can do a surprising amount of damage. Final wrap up character recasting. I don't know. I really enjoyed the voice actors. I thought that they did a great job. The inclusion of Corey Feldman is a lot of fun as Donatello. I really liked the actor with Casey Jones. I liked April. I didn't dislike the April that shows up in the second one. Um, but no, I, I don't think there's any need for character recasting. Does this, did this need a sequel? Yes, it did. Maybe just one, but it needed Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Uh, the world without that would have been just a cold, terrible place. Rewatchability, to be honest. This one I haven't watched in forever. I cannot tell you the last time I rewatched this one. Will I watch it again soon? I don't know. I don't know. But I think it's one that's fun to pop in from time to time, if nothing else for the nostalgia and the reminiscing, especially if you're a kid of the 90s who had any connection to Ninja Turtles in the first place. But what do you think of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Were you a fan? Did you have any of the action figures? Did you yourself host green parties so that you could watch Ninja, Ninja Turtles and eat snacks? The world wants to know. But that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review the podcast, preferably if it's nice. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on A Bit of Fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today, and I will see you next time.